Hey, it's Brandon Laws. Welcome to Transform Your Workplace. Thanks for the download today. I'm excited to have Dr. Steven Rogelberg back on the podcast today. We did an episode a few years back on the art and science behind meetings. And I'm not a huge fan of meetings if they're done improperly or if they're unnecessary. And so that particular episode covered all the things that you need to know about either running a good meeting, facilitating a good meeting, being a participant in a meeting. So go back and listen to that. I really enjoyed that episode. And Dr. Rogelberg is out with a new book. It's called Glad We Met, The Art and Science of One-on-One Meetings. And I I just think one-on-one meetings are so important. I think it's crucial to individual and organizational success. I think uh, personalizing an approach to your one-on-ones with your employees is really important as a manager. And it's a skill that you got to learn in, in, in itself. And I think it's a way for employees to really progress in their careers and to have a strong well-being at work. So Dr. Rogelberg's here to talk about all that. Again, his book is called Glad We Met, The Art and Science of One-on-One Meetings, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. Dr. Rogelberg, thanks for coming on Transform Your Workplace. Oh, it's such a pleasure. I'm really glad to do this. Uh, I do a, our second podcast together. Yes. Well, the first one, I think it was right before the pandemic, we talked about your last book, which is right. about meetings. And I'm one of those people that I don't like to have meetings if I don't need to have them. And I think when we have purpose-driven meetings, uh, they can be a little bit better. So For sure. People need to go back and listen to that one. We're here to talk about your new book, which yeah. is out now by the time this releases. It's called Glad We Met the art and science of one-on-one meetings. And I think one-on-one meetings have really gained a lot of popularity over the last decade, I would say. I don't know if people were regularly doing those, but what inspired you to write an entire book specifically around one-on-one meetings? As an organizational psychologist, I am just drawn to study topics of really practical importance that managers are doing wrong. And that brought me squarely to Uh, one-on-ones. One-on-ones could be this transformative activity in organizations and for leaders, but the data suggesting it's just not panning out. Around 50% of these things are rated suboptimally. And that's just a real shame because unlike many other meetings we attend, this is one meeting that should not be an email. This meeting really matters. Elaborate on the difference between, you know, team meetings that we have, whether it's meetings with multiple people versus like a a one-on-one meeting, really what's the purpose and the outcomes that we're striving for in a one-on-one meeting? So, you know, I I mean, a general meeting, you know, obviously people gather for lots of different reasons. Um, Could be solving a problem, brainstorming, disseminating information, lots of different reasons. And in some regards, the fact that it can be used so often might help explain why it's being overused and while people's calendars are being tremendously taxed. But one-on-one meetings are a completely different entity. You know, one-on-one meetings are really about allowing the employee voice to come through strongly and allowing them to share what's on their minds, their concerns, where they need help and support. It's a meeting for the direct that's facilitated and orchestrated by the manager. But it is that opportunity 
for the employee to feel seen. And I think while we don't have trend data to see whether these things were happening 50 or 60 years ago, we know that the relevance of this is so, so high, especially with distributed workforces. You know, what people missed about COVID was really that opportunity to feel seen. And so one-on-ones are just a really meaningful conversation that a leader can have with her or his people. And the incredible thing about it is it just serves as that one predictable time where the employee knows that they have their leader to themselves to make sure that their needs and issues are addressed in some fashion. Yeah. You said uh, managers, supervisors should be like orchestrating the the one-on-ones, but I've also heard it really should be driven from an employee. What's your perspective on that? Yeah, so the agenda should be driven by the employee. Mm, um, okay. But the manager needs to create an infrastructure to make sure yeah. these, these things happen, right? So they have to be committed to a cadence, right? They have to say, listen, we're going to do it at this cadence and I'm all in. They have to provide the vision. They have to provide the signals that indeed they recognize that the meeting is for the direct and not for them. And so the the manager really provides that foundation for the safety that the employee needs to then drive the agenda. In writing an entire book about one-on-one meetings, I, I know that you've done a ton of research and collected data from other right. people on engagement levels with yeah. one-on-ones. So if you looked at those that don't conduct one-on-ones, like what's the engagement level for those nice. employees versus ones that do regular one-on-ones and, and have those meetings, what's the difference between those two groups of employees? Massive, massive. And they, you know, I've conducted research on this, but others have too. I mean, Gallup just did a study with 2.5 million people. And wow. oh my gosh, the response, the data are just so compelling. You know, these one-on-ones are absolutely tied to employee engagement. In fact, you know, one-on-one meetings are associated with so many positive outcomes. It's clear that there's a strong connection with employee thriving. You know, this is where they truly engage with their leader. It's tied to retention. We all know the adage that employees don't leave bad jobs, they leave bad bosses. And so this is the opportunity for that manager to truly be a good boss. So from an employee thriving perspective, the engagement perspective, we absolutely see very strong positive linear gains. And then... The data also suggests that teams perform better, right? Because as individuals, you know, elevate their performance and also these one-on-ones build more alignment, the team thrives. So it's critical to individual success, team success. It's critical to your inclusion efforts, right? Because this is that opportunity for that employee to feel valued. And when you put those together, it's fully related to managerial success, right? Managers are evaluated based on the success of their people and their teams. So these one-on-ones are that mechanism for elevating all those performances. And as a result, it only helps us. So while manager, this meeting is for the directs, managers are benefiting big time. And I'll add one last piece to that. You know, one of the best determinants of life satisfaction, this is what's been found in the research, not my opinion. One of the best determinants of life satisfaction is helping others. One-on-ones provide that opportunity to help others and live a meaningful life. Mm -hmm. How can leaders or managers uh, within those one-on-ones, how do they make sure that they're effective and not just another meeting on the calendar where they're kind of going through the motions? And I know there's 
there's got to be some infrastructure that's that's in place mm -hmm. or, or a set agenda that you know that would set both the manager and the employee up for success to make sure it's purposeful. I mean, that's the whole book, right? I mean, that's the whole book. Here's the blueprint. <laughs> um, what's neat about the book, though, as you said in the outset, the title, you know, so it's glad we met the art and science. So I put both art and science in there because one-on-ones are a little different than other meetings. There is an art to them. And so depending on your values, your relationship with that direct, their values and needs, this thing can look like a lot of different things. So what this book does is it really lays out choices. It captures what the science tells us, provides this menu, and then the reader is able to go through this and decide what's the best fit for them. So the blueprint really spans the whole continuum. So one key is making sure the direct is driving the agenda. And we could talk more about that. You know, having these at weekly and biweekly, every other week cadence is absolutely associated with the most gains. Uh, monthly cadences, we don't have the same gains. It's still better than right. nothing, but the cadence is a critical decision for the manager to make. And so the blueprint really is, you know, building the agenda, making sure you're involving the direct. It's looking, you know, looking at your notes to make sure that there's some continuity amongst these one-on-ones because these one-on-ones will tell a story, right? It's going to tell the story of this employee. And so the notes serve to help make these one-on-ones keep building off one another. Hmm. In the meeting itself, one of the key mistakes that many managers make is they talk too much. And the data are really pretty powerful. The more the manager talks, the lower the ratings of, of effectiveness. The more the direct talks, the higher the ratings of effectiveness. But talking a lot is hard to stop. Um, the research shows that talking a lot triggers the same parts of the brain that sex and good food. So we talk a lot because it feels good. So we got to make sure we give that gift to our direct. And then it's the whole facilitation. Right. So the manager just needs to really be listening and exploring what's on the minds of their people. Help me understand. Tell me more. What are your thoughts on the best way to handle this? Right. So they're facilitating this conversation. They absolutely can share a perspective, but that's secondary. They need to keep their mouths closed and just keep facilitating a process of discovery from the employee. Mm. And that's even hard. So one other area where this gets hard is. When we ask an employee, hey, what are your ideas to solve this? When the employee shares something, often what managers do is they say, oh, here's another idea. It's their idea. And we have to fight that urge. You know, we have to be willing to say, okay, if there's not a big, meaningful difference between the employee idea and yours, go with theirs. Go with their idea because then they'll be much more committed to action and they'll feel respected and trusted. Now, if there's a really big, meaningful gap, sure, intervene. But otherwise, you let it go. And if it doesn't work, you can always process it and discuss it. So that whole middle piece is about, you know, very much, you know, helping that employee's voice get fully heard and acted upon. And then the close has so many pieces. You know, one of the fun little findings is that, you know, the importance of note-taking in these. But what we found is that those managers who literally have a piece of paper and a pen and they're taking notes, they were rated so much higher than... Really? Managers. Yeah, because it's such a 
signal of engagement in the conversation. It's clear you're not multitasking. Hmm. And so there's just all these really fun findings that emerge in the science. And I'll tell you one last one. I'm going to shut up and let you have your next question. So we asked employees, what's your desired preference for how often these should happen? Now, you know, if you ask people, how many meetings do you want? You know, everyone's like, I want less meetings. Mm, But when it comes to one-on-ones, people want these things. And the desired cadence, the most desired cadence was once a week. And counter to generational stereotypes, your more senior employees, they actually wanted them even more than the junior employees. Yeah, I noticed that data in your book, and I was actually shocked by that that last stat you just shared, which is senior leaders want more one-on-ones. And I would have thought the opposite. I did too. But I think it's a statement that they know how critical FaceTime is, right? They know having their manager truly listen to them and where they can share where they're facing obstacles and ask for help, right? They know this is critical to their ability to be successful. Let's talk more about that because I I truly believe like the one-on-ones, it's this very unique meeting where you can really build a bond and trust with manager-employee relationship. Whereas I I always thought, you know, probably back in the day before one-on-ones really were a thing, it it seemed like there's always a, you know, the hierarchy, a big separation between manager and employee. And I I really think that this is a place to build trust, empathy, compassion for one another. Maybe talk more about that because I know you've done a lot of digging on this this topic. So you're absolutely right. Um, You know, these one-on-ones are designed to meet the employee's practical, tactical needs right? This is just getting stuff done, but also even the practical tactical needs around career development. But it's also meant to meet their personal needs. And this is, the balance is almost like the practical tactical, you could think of it as the meal you get at a restaurant and the personal need fulfillment is like the service. And if you get a great meal, but the service is bad, it still is not a good experience. If you have a bad meal and great service, it's not a good experience. So the best managers recognize that they have these two sets of needs that they have to meet and they tend to gravitate to the practical tactical and, you know, by saving the day, right? Say, hey, okay, do this, this, and this. But that can undermine the personal needs. And so those personal needs to feel trusted and respected, right? These are basic human condition needs. And I'm going to say, like, you do this. Right. As a podcast interviewer, right, you're you have the successful podcast. You literally are doing this in every one of your interviews. Mm-hmm. Your questions, your summarization is all about you're addressing a practical, tactical issue, but you're absolutely trying to create this environment of safety, of trust and respect. Yeah. And that's what we want to do in one on ones. In many regards, what happens in an excellent podcast can almost be seen as a framework of sorts for a great one-on-one. Yeah, that's well, that's well said. What uh, creative ideas have you seen or you implemented on your own as far as running one-on-one meetings? I've heard of like walking meetings and, and some other ways of doing it, but you know, you, you also don't want it to be very distracting. So where's the, there's probably a balance, but what are some creative ideas for running one-on-ones? Um, I mean, there's so much. So basically <laughs> we collected some data about where these things should occur. Yeah. And- oh, where, where? <laughs> So the highest rated locations were the manager's office or a conference room. Hmm. The lowest rated location was the direct reports office. Thought that was kind of interesting. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, I think it's almost like a privacy issue. And also a direct's office often doesn't have the same level of kind of a quiet, secure environment. So walking, meeting in coffee shops, those options were basically had bimodal distribution. So some people really loved that idea, but others hated that idea. Hmm. And all of these data, they're fine. You know, basically all, you know, what the takeaway from this is a manager needs to ask their direct, where would you like to do this? That becomes one of those signals that this meeting is not for the manager, right? So you're constantly using these signals, you know, to communicate the purpose of these. So I absolutely believe, you know, taking, for me personally, I love doing my one-on-ones walking and the people I work with seem to love it as well. Mm. But, you know, those conversations just have to be negotiated. You know, other really neat design considerations is the creation of the agenda. Two approaches seem to get the most love in the research. So one is called the listing approach. And in the listing approach, basically the employee and the manager each create a list of topics that they Mm. want to discuss. When the employee is creating their list, they're told front and center, because again, we want to have another signal that their list is going to dominate and that the manager's list is only going to take place if we have time, but the employee list prevails. Now, when the manager says create a list, the other thing that the manager needs to do is remind them to think about individual, think about the individual experience, think the team experience, think about the organizational experience, think short-term, think long-term, think careers. We want the employee to recognize that there's so many different things that they can talk about. And that's one of the, I think, the nice things about the book is it really lays out a variety of different topics that you could never do in any single one-on-one, but you absolutely can keep rotating different topics in so that these one-on-ones stay interesting, right? And engaging. You know, so each creates this list, they bring it in, there's this kind of this conversation around the list, a prioritization of the employee list, you know, asking the employees, okay, what are the things that we absolutely, we want to make sure that we cover? Again, a really positive signal. Then as people are having this conversation, we want to make sure that these one-on-ones don't turn into status update meetings. That's a big derailer. That's not the goal of this. Now, over the course of the one-on-one, likely the manager is going to hear some status, but you know, that's just not the goal. And if it turns into that, you're not building a relationship, right? You're not meeting those personal needs. The manager needs to realize they have the power. If they want to find the status of a particular project, they have lots of ways of doing that, right? They can send an email. There could be an asynchronous conversation. They can call another meeting. They can do it in a team meeting. There's so many things they can do. This time is for the employee. This is that one time, that 30 minutes, Whatever it happens to be, whatever you decide, this is the time that we just want to create an environment where the employee can just share. Mm-hmm. Um, with the one-on-ones that I do, it's it's interesting you talking about the like the status update thing because I didn't ever want to fall into that trap. I always set two meetings a week. One is all status project check-in and what can I help you with, and the other is pure one-on-one. It's really getting to know you the development, uh, other topics that we have, but it's usually never, ever about projects and status updates. And that's, I mean, you just nailed the whole reason why the book is both science and the art. You know, I like the fact that you're reflecting on that and seeing what fits for you. And so I think that's great. I think that's great. Yeah. Do you have any standardization around how you start and end your meetings? Actually, there's probably more standardization there. Um, Mm. So the start, 
first of all, before you walk in the room as a manager, you need to remind yourself that this is not your meeting. You need to make sure that your mindset is in a good place. You know, one of the things I talk about in the book that I, I just think this finding is so neat is this idea of the Pygmalion effect. And this initially came from research and education where they found that the teacher's attitudes about their students, the expectations the teachers had about their students shaped the teaching approach they used. So if you believe your students are lazy, you actually approach teaching that in that manner where you will, you know, maybe be writing them, right? Your assignments are not going to be as open-ended and, and creative. And the same thing happens in one-on-ones. If you go in there with the belief that your employee is dead weight, you're not going to really be listening, learning, right? You're just going to have probably a very prescriptive one-on-one. So we want to make sure we go with that perspective that people can grow and learn. And by the way, if your people can't do that, then maybe you should be pursuing exit, you know, not, you know, maybe that's what that means. So Mm -hmm. that Pygmalion effect is something you need to be aware of as well. Then when you go in there, the first types of questions are really getting at what's the most important thing we need to talk about today. What I'm a big fan of is when a manager creates some type of connection to a past one-on-one. So where if they can say, listen, I know in our last one-on-one, you mentioned that you were having a conflict, you know, with this particular customer and you were going to try X, Y, and Z, how did that pan out? Mm. A question like that, that communicates so much to that employee. So I really like kind of starting that way, you know, then you move into the kind of the building rapport and just kind of connecting and I'll add one more thing and then I'll move to the end. You know, a very typical first question is, how are you? And sadly, that question doesn't really work because people have automatic responses. I'm fine. I'm good. You have nothing to work with. But there's an alternative. You know, what the research shows, if you actually ask people that question, but you say, but answer on a 10-point scale Mm -hmm. with one being bad and 10 being great. How are you showing up today? Now you get sevens and sixes and you have something to work with, right? Because you can even ask why. Exactly. (laughs) So that little twist can create a really meaningful start to your one-on-one. All right. So there's some little clues on the start. The close, these one-on-ones absolutely need a close, a formal close. And in this close, you're recapping what each party has agreed to do. And that's really important, right? We want it to be clear what the direct is going to be committed to doing and what you as a manager are committed to doing. So that is a key part of the close. The other key part of the close is it might be the case that you say, okay, we didn't get to this, but we can move that to the next agenda. So it's just getting clarity on what are some topics that we want to park and move to the next one. And then finally, I'm going to tell you another one of my favorite findings. These meetings need to end on a positive note. Right. Even if you've had a tough conversation, right, we can try to end positively. We can say, listen, I, I know this is hard but I appreciate that you're trying. I know you're committed. I recognize that, right? So looking for those ways. And that actually comes right from some research. Mm -hmm. And let me just tell you this really quick research story because I think it's just such a fun one. Basically, there was an experiment done and employees or not employees, these were just, this was just a basic research, but people were assigned to one of two conditions. In one condition, people put their hand in basically ice cold water. That hurts, right? They had to do it for a minute. In the second condition, they put their hand in the same really cold water, hurts, hurts. And then that second condition, people were said, listen, I'm going to have you put your hand 
in really cold water, but it's not as cold as the previous water for another 30 seconds, right? So it actually was not as painful, but still painful. (laughs) And what they found is that those individuals who actually ended this experiment on a little bit more of a positive note, even though they were miserable for longer, (laughs) they were willing to repeat the experiment. Wow. And I just think that speaks to this notion of trying to end on a little bit more of a positive. And we see this, we go to restaurants, right? That last experience that we have with that waiter, like it just goes on and on. So ending, finding some way of ending on a positive is really critical to these one-on-ones. Stephen, what are some of your favorite questions to ask in a one-on-one that might spark a great conversation, spark development conversation, or even like we were just talking about the end, maybe there's a question that you can end with. Like, what are your favorites? So my favorite is that, how are you question with the adapting. Um, I love that. That just takes off. So that one's been great. The other one I really like is just asking folks, what are the biggest challenges you're having right now? And how can I help? What support can I provide you? I love that, right? Because it signals something really meaningful and it helps, you know, strongly connect with the goal of these things. If you get those two questions right, you're 90% there. Yeah. You know, then I like to just to rotate different things just to keep this fresh. So I might ask a question about, you know, about the team and, you know, their experience on the team. Um, I might ask them about, you know, so this is what's going on in the organization. You know, are there any issues or concerns or, you know, additional information I can share with you? I might leave it open-ended of, you know, saying what pieces of information could I provide that can help you do your job better. So it's just these very open-ended, they're very much tied implicitly and explicitly to a clear set of actions that I can do in response to. What advice do you have for managers who have a lot of employees and are just overwhelmed at the fact that every week I have to do 10 one-on-ones or, you know, that's a lot of employees and and, and there's a lot of managers out there that are managing probably more than 10 people. So (laughs) what advice do you have for them? So basically, if you have a lot of employees, you probably need to go to every other week to manage the load. And that's fine. You probably need to reduce the amount of time in each and every one of the one-on-ones. And that's fine. You know, it's all about quality. So if you have 20 minutes with your folks every other week, but it's a really good 20 minutes, it's still going to serve a very positive gain. So yeah, play with the amount of time, play with cadence to help manage this. Leverage asynchronous documents to help follow through on things, right? So it could be the case that something is teed up on the one-on-one and then it can be explored in the asynchronous document where people, you can have another dialogue that way. You know, that's another way of managing this. And then another thing that some managers do is they actually will ask some of the senior team members to do one-on-ones with the more junior team members in between the ones Mm -hmm. that the manager does. And that's a nice approach. But I want to stress that these one-on-ones will ultimately save you time as a manager. If you constantly think, I don't have time to do this, you actually have the completely wrong mindset. That is analogous to saying, I don't have time to brush my teeth and I don't have time to go exercise. Those are not negotiable items. We have to do this. We have to brush our teeth. We have to exercise to be healthy. One-on-ones are just like that. One-on-ones are not optional. These are foundational to being a leader. 
And we've seen this, um, even it's tied to one of the common problems is a manager canceling one-on-ones, which okay. is devastating to employees. When you cancel a one-on-one, you're basically signaling, we're going back to that word because it's so relevant, that when something else comes up, you're not as important. Yeah. And we've got to, that's just not good for a relationship, right? Think about if we did that with our children right? Something always comes up. You can imagine that kid's experience of that home life is not going to be as good. So if we have to cancel, you either want to move it up or even just do a five minute check-in, right? Mm -hmm. So have something, but just don't take it off the calendar. And then the other thing that's really important for those busy managers is that when these are at a regular cadence, employees actually will start saving up their issues for the one-on-one. So they'll interrupt you less. Mm, Yes. And that's another time savings. And then finally, when your employees have that contact with you and they're performing better, there's less time you spend fixing problems and directing rework. So they truly are an investment that pays dividends. Again, it's not like a regular meeting where we are always debating, was this meeting necessary? In the case of one-on-ones, when they're done well, the gains are just too dramatic. They're, they're so dramatic. Mm-hmm. Let's end with this uh, because I know we're out of time. What do you foresee in the future with one-on-ones, especially, you know, after this book releases, I'm sure you're going to inspire millions of people with conducting one-on-ones and running them the right way with the rise of remote work, largely due to the pandemic. And, and now we're kind of set in those ways of working remotely. What do you, what do you see as a a future trend? I do think they're going to increase the whole distributed workforces is not going away, right? Hybrid work is not going away. And for those individuals in particular who are remote, but even the ones in person, I mean, everyone just, I'm going back to that phrase, everyone wants to be seen. It's just human nature. We want people to see us. And this is just that mechanism for managers to build relationships, build trust, build safety. So I do see these things increasing. I think the need for this is going at an all-time high. I think when we did have more casual encounters with people, you know, maybe the need wasn't as apparent, right? Because we were still able to keep building relationships, but it's just harder for us now, right? The pace of work is faster. You know, people are more distributed. We're more multinational. It's just these things have to happen. And if you don't do them, you're ultimately going to derail as a leader. Stephen, thanks for coming on the podcast. Where can people learn more about you, uh, your other work, and, and of course, the, the new book that you just uh, released? Sure. Thank you. Appreciate that. Obviously, go to my website, and I'm sure you'll have it in the show notes as yes, well. Um, but it's stephenrogelberg.com, just stephenrogelberg.com. And I have a ton of resources on there. I, I really try to provide people with a lot of materials that could help them. I also obviously have a link to my book, The Glad We Met, The Art and Science of One-on-One Meetings. I hope folks will buy it. I'm so passionate around getting these ideas out there that all my author royalties are all being donated to the American Cancer Society. Wow. Um, so there's no personal financial benefit from this. I just want to get this out there. So buy the book if you want to learn about one-on-ones or buy the book if you want to help eradicate cancer. Either way is great. I love it. Oh, that's so generous of you. My guest today has been Dr. Steven Rogelberg. Steven, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate you. Oh, thank you. Brandon, you do a fabulous job. I really enjoyed our conversation.
The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are the guest's own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of ZenMHR or the host, Brandon Laws. The material and information presented on Transform Your Workplace is for general information and educational purposes only. Zenium HR or the host, Brandon Laws, does not necessarily endorse any guest, their business, or any organization they represent. Discretion is advised. Please work with a trusted advisor to find a custom approach that fits your organization's needs.